Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. My experience with wearing a continuous glucose monitor has been game-changing. And I believe that this technology is going to change how and what we eat. And as a result, we are going to see improved metabolic function and overall health. See, once we understand how food causes blood sugar spikes and insulin resistance, and we can make those changes accordingly, we will significantly lessen the risk of serious chronic diseases caused by poor blood sugar regulation and insulin resistance. Two major root cause players in hormonal issues, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and even dementia. Now, today's episode is going to be a little bit hard hitting because there are truths that we are simply not being told. As you know, knowledge is power, and I hope to share some powerful research studies with you today. Now, almost as insidious as chronic stress is on the body, and you know I talk a lot about that on the show, chronic stress can really work us. But equally so is when we are on a constant blood sugar roller coaster, driving crazy glucose spikes in our blood. Because every time we spike our blood sugar, we create an inflammatory response. To put it bluntly, every time you eat dessert on its own or have coffee with a gluten-free muffin with sugar crumble on top in the morning or sushi rolls for dinner, you are potentially spiking your blood sugar past 140 milligrams per deciliter and creating an SOS signal in the body, driving an inflammatory cascade. And at the very least, the more often we spike our blood sugar, we raise our fasting blood sugar levels along with driving insulin resistance. If you want to further understand the role of insulin resistance on our hormones and the body as a whole, definitely go and check out episode 354 because I so nerd out on how insulin resistance is created to begin with. The episode is called, What is an Insulin Block and How Does It Impact Your Ability to Handle Carbs? Now, here's an alarming truth that we didn't realize until recently, and it is this. Over 90% of non-diabetics experience high glucose spikes. So there was a 2018 Stanford study that recently changed the game. This study showed that almost all non-diabetics experience significant spikes of over 140 milligrams per deciliter. This is diabetically significant from common foods like rice, grapes, and breakfast cereal. These spikes cause a range of short and long-term health issues from hormonal imbalances to menstrual cycle issues to feeling depleted and moody. So today, I want to share what the short-term effects of experiencing elevated blood sugar spikes and, as a result, blood sugar crashes, also known as the blood sugar roller coaster, because I believe it's important to know what to look out for as another way to really be attuned to your body. So here are the most common symptoms of blood sugar spikes and crashes. As you're listening to this, take a moment and see if you're experiencing any of these on a daily or weekly basis. So here we go. You feel pretty hungry after eating, especially one to two hours after a meal. You experience energy slumps or feeling tired and run down, especially as you near the end of the day. You have trouble falling asleep at night. You feel jittery. You feel anxious, increased thirst. Hunger headaches, oh, I know what those feel like, and an inability to focus or feel productive. 
Now, as I read off these symptoms of a blood sugar spike and crash, any of these feel like they hit home for you. Could you relate to two or more of these symptoms? And if so, how often are you experiencing these symptoms? Is it a couple of times a week, maybe on the weekend or every single day? Now in my late 20s and my mid 30s, it was every single day. Sugar and refined carbs had hijacked my brain and my metabolism. And honestly, I thought that I was just tired and foggy every single day around 3 p.m. And I blamed it on my cortisol levels. And I was told it was simply adrenal fatigue. My conclusion on that was that I needed to address this mini afternoon crash emergency with more coffee and protein bars or Laura bars or kind bars or something that seemed healthy, that looked like it contained healthy sugars to get over that hump. And what I found was the most frustrating thing about being on this blood sugar roller coaster is that I had no idea I was even on it because I had been told, like most of us, that blood sugar spikes and insulin resistance is really nothing to worry about until I am close to being pre-diabetic or diabetic. But we now know that's a complete lie. Little did I know, I was contributing to the issue further by spiking my blood sugar levels again and again, causing another glucose spike and crash. Basically, I was inching my way towards insulin resistance. And I have a good feeling that especially in my mid-30s, I definitely had insulin resistance. And the good news is I was able to fully reverse it. So I really want to pose a question. How do you think we get prediabetes in the first place? Just because your doctor tells you it's nothing to worry about, does that make it true, right? It doesn't. See, our medical system likes to think of prediabetes as simply a warning sign for diabetes, and that's how they treat it. It's a watch and wait approach. But what if prediabetes and even insulin resistance, the precursor to prediabetes, is a risk factor to disease on its own? Research is pointing in that direction right now. In a recent study presented to the American Heart Association, young adults with prediabetes were nearly twice as likely to be hospitalized with a heart attack than those without blood sugar and insulin issues. Hear that again. These are not diabetic adults. These are people with mildly increased blood sugars and mildly increased insulin resistance. This is why it's so important to know your numbers early on, especially for us women in our 30s and 40s when we start to move towards becoming more insulin resistant due to the fluctuations and changes in our hormones. Most importantly, our sex hormones like progesterone, testosterone, and estrogen. So most young adults have no idea what their hemoglobin A1C is. And honestly, I'd have to argue not just young adults, but even older adults. Like how often have I talked to someone in their 30s and they knew what their hemoglobin A1C was? Very, very few. And a hemoglobin A1C is the average blood sugar over three months, let alone what their blood sugars are doing throughout the day, right? Another study showed that at a very large hospital system, most patients with prediabetes were not even being told about their diagnosis, let alone being advised on ways to reverse it. And I cannot tell you how often I have looked at labs that my patients have run with their primary care practitioner and they have come to me and I immediately see hemoglobin A1C almost pre-diabetic or pre-diabetic range and no one said anything to them. So if you haven't had your hemoglobin A1C checked by your primary care doctor, definitely ask for it at your next visit. So here are the numbers so that you're clear. Technically, 5.7% on a hemoglobin A1C is considered normal, but 
there is a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that anything above 5.4 can start to cause issues and increase risk. I always want you under 5.4 when you run your hemoglobin A1C. That is the goal. And the beautiful thing is, is you can absolutely lower that number if you see a number higher than 5.4. Now, given all of this and the symptoms of blood sugar spikes and crashes, I want to share with you the three signs to know if you are on that blood sugar roller coaster, like I was, right, in my 20s and 30s, whether you choose to ever wear a continuous glucose monitor or not. And here's a really quick summary about CGMs if you're hearing about them for the first time. Continuous glucose monitoring, also known as a CGM, automatically tracks blood glucose levels also called blood sugar, throughout the day and night. You can see your glucose levels anytime at a glance when you scan the CGM on your phone. With the scanner, you can see how glucose changes every few hours or days to see trends regarding what you eat and how you eat that impacts your blood sugar. So one of the biggest lessons I learned when I wore a CGM for months at a time was how easy it was for me to experience a blood sugar spike and that it took me longer than a day to recover from even the smallest blood sugar spikes. For example, if I were to eat a handful of berries or if I were to have strawberries and coconut whipped cream made from scratch, no sugar in the coconut whipped cream, I would experience a spike especially if it was in the evening when we're more insulin resistant and it would take, it took over, I want to say 30 hours to get back to my baseline fasting blood glucose. So when I think about that, I think how often we spike our blood sugar and then before we even stabilize, we probably spike it again and then spike it again and spike it again. That puts us on this perpetual roller coaster. So the biggest takeaway from wearing one for me is how critical it is to maintain stable blood sugar levels. When my glucose levels were stable, and best believe I worked really hard to create a flat glucose curve when I was wearing a CGM, I felt great. I felt pretty invincible. But when my blood sugar curves had a ton of spikes, like when we went on vacation or I went to Disneyland, oh my goodness, I felt like garbage the next day. And I exhibited these three signs that I'm about to share with you, just like I had back in my 20s and mid 30s. So here are the three signs in no particular order. And if you're experiencing those, you don't need a continuous glucose monitor to tell you that you are dealing with some blood sugar spikes. Number one, you feel pretty hungry after eating, especially one to two hours after eating. You could be like on the brink of hangry within about two hours. You experience energy slumps or you're feeling tired and run down throughout the day or definitely towards the end of your day. And you experience killer cravings for sugar, carbs, and salty foods, probably late morning, afternoon, and late evening. Those would be the times where those cravings really come on. Now, if you're experiencing these three signs, you are most likely on a blood sugar roller coaster and you're experiencing some blood sugar spikes. Like this is a great way to know without having to invest in a continuous glucose monitor. Again, you can also know by having your hemoglobin A1C done at your next doctor's visit as well. So if you are resonating right now and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, maybe I am experiencing some blood sugar spikes, especially on the weekends or especially when I'm on vacation or 
I just know I need to get off this blood sugar roller coaster. So if you're in that boat at this moment, or you know someone who is, like you know someone who's really struggling with blood sugar deregulation, I want to share my favorite hacks for helping to stabilize your blood sugar levels. Now, I recommend integrating these hacks on the daily and picking some that feel the easiest. And what's really cool is you can actually stack these hacks back to back as well. I implement a lot of these hacks every single day because at the end of the day, I know that keeping stable blood sugar levels is the name of the game. And it gives you some wiggle room for still eating foods that you really love, maybe some refined carb foods, maybe some dessert, a healthy dessert, (laughs) without causing a major disruption in your blood sugar. So here we go. These are in no particular order but I have eight hacks for you that you can begin to implement literally ASAP. Number one, break your fast with a savory meal, including protein, healthy fats, and fiber. Do not have a sugary breakfast or break your fast with something sugar driven like a big old waffle and maple syrup, right? Because the first meal of the day sets the tone for your metabolism for the rest of the day. And the last thing you want to do is start at your day getting on that blood sugar roller coaster, because then you're just going to be chasing that roller coaster all day long. Because once you hit that crash, you're going to want to up your energy levels again with something that manages and increases your energy, right? And oftentimes that is caffeine and sugar to some degree. Number two, start your meal and every meal with a plate of veggies or a salad, and feel free to include a little bit of fat and protein as well. So I start almost every single meal of my day with a big salad or some yummy, yummy roasted vegetables, um, and then you know pair that with protein and fats. Number three, eat your food in order. So fiber first, so again, a veggie starter or a salad first, followed by protein and fat. So followed by tri-tip or salmon, or maybe it is tofu with a little bit of healthy fats like olive oil, avocado, nuts and seeds, and then do your carbs and starches like sweet potato or potatoes, or maybe it's quinoa, whatever it is that you love that is a good starch. Number four, dress your carbs with protein and fats. So for example, pair your apple with almond butter or pair your gluten-free toast with avocado and tomato and a little bit of olive oil, right? Number five, go for a 20 to 30 minute walk after your meals, especially after dinner when you are more insulin resistant. This is huge and will significantly reduce a glucose spike by like 30 plus percent. Number six, and that's one of my absolute favorites, by the way, we walk after meals all the time. Number six, have dessert after a meal, not for a snack or for breakfast, right? Make sure that you have all of those yummy macros, right? The fiber, the protein, the fats. What's going to happen when we eat those first is we are going to slow down that sugar into the bloodstream. The fiber is going to slow down the absorption in the intestine, And the fat and the protein is going to slow down gastric release of those nutrients into the intestine. So it's a win-win when you consume all of those, then you can have your dessert. And we have played with this a lot on a CGM and wow, it makes a huge difference. Whoever said dessert before a meal was wrong. Uh, Yeah, it can be fun. And yeah, there's definitely occasions where that's going to be the case, but it shouldn't be every single day. It should not be the norm. All right. Number seven, drink a tablespoon of vinegar 
I prefer apple cider vinegar before a meal to curve a blood sugar spike. You can also do this before dessert. So let's say you're like, you know what? I am going to have cake for lunch. I'm just going to do it. You can do a glass of apple cider vinegar. I would say a four ounce glass with a little bit of a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar to curb that blood sugar spike by 30%. Then to go take a walk, right? You probably won't have a blood sugar spike, but again, everybody's a little bit different. Just know that this is all based on individuality, but these are hacks that we know that work across the board. And number eight, take berberine with your meal to curve a blood sugar spike. So in my new herbal glucose supplement called Glucose Support, I incorporate berberine, which is like the main ingredient, along with other super herbs to not only reduce glucose and insulin levels, but also to help support managing weight, managing LDLs and triglycerides. So again, if you're not a big fan of drinking vinegar before dessert or a meal, you can take berberine or you can take my glucose support. Those are going to be great options and they work equally as well, except that there's even bigger benefits when you're taking that berberine. So although weight loss is not the goal of this conversation today, and it's definitely not the goal when I am taking care of patients, right? It's all about creating health and having you feel good. I do think it's important to recognize a truth about the physiology of weight loss that a lot of people aren't talking about. So here it is. The truth is a reduction in fasting insulin levels precedes weight loss, meaning Insulin levels drop first, then you drop weight. So an article published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, also known as JAMA, in 2021 aimed to answer the question of whether a drop in insulin preceded weight loss or if weight loss precedes a drop in fasting insulin. The study found that contrary to wide-held beliefs, a drop in insulin levels came before weight loss. So we used to always think that you gained weight or you became obese, then you had insulin resistance. But what we now know is that it's insulin resistant that's driving the weight gain, that's driving the obesity. So if you're looking to lose weight as a part of your health-related goals, it may be helpful to look at ways to decrease your circulating insulin levels first to help kickstart this process. So how do we lower insulin levels? Well, we have to decrease the things in our life that raise our insulin levels. And this includes the eight hacks that I just talked about a second ago. And this also includes reducing processed foods, sugars, alcohols, high stress, and basically bringing in things that are going to increase, like making sure that we have low levels, things like fiber from vegetables and fruits, walking, right? Food pairing. So dressing up those carbs, incorporating ACV and berberine, right? So the eight hacks that I shared earlier are clutch at lowering insulin levels. Even if you've been told you are pre-diabetic or you have high hemoglobin A1C, So the biggest takeaway from my eight hacks today is that there's always something that we can do to be stabilizing our blood sugar and metabolism. And the more consistent you are on a daily basis, the better. Hands down, the biggest levers to starting to ensuring that you're lowering your insulin resistance and creating the more stable blood sugar is starting your first meal with fiber and healthy fats and protein. So make it savory and then bringing in the carbs downstream walking or moving your body after a meal and taking what I consider to be the magical herb berberine and other super herbs before a meal to blunt a blood sugar spike by 30%, right? Those are going to be the big levers. Adding fiber to your meal before you eat that meal, eating a savory breakfast, walking after meals and using an herbal 
support supplement to help to curb that blood sugar spike, to help maintain stable glucose and insulin levels. Now, if you've been looking for a simple yet effective solution for blunting that blood sugar spike, I'm telling you, I curated this glucose support supplement as an ideal way to support healthy insulin and glucose metabolism using a trifecta of herbs that play critical roles in blood sugar control, the uptake of glucose by muscle cells, and to help maintain healthy blood lipids as much as in the realm of triglycerides and low density lipoproteins, LDLs. And as I mentioned, it's coming up. It's going to be available in the next couple of weeks at the end of June in the Essentially Whole store. And it will be a game changer for stabilizing blood sugar crashes, mood swings, boosting focus and energy. So stay tuned for the release of this powerful, super duper amazing supplement. As always, thank you so much for listening into the Essentially You podcast. This show is about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. If there is someone in your life that you know is on the blood sugar roller coaster and they need to hear this today, especially if their doctor did not cue them into them being insulin resistant or having prediabetes, it is worthy, worthwhile to share this episode with them today by taking a screenshot, shooting a text over or sharing it on social media. That way we continue to educate the people that we love the most about hormone literacy. And if you do share on social, hashtag hormone CEO. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.